Hello again. Welcome back. Three Worlds Podcast Series 3, Episode 2. And we're continuing talking about Windhorse, Lungta, Subtle Energy. Hey, nice to have you back. Hope you're doing all right. So, let's do a recap. Let's do a recap. Last episode, I talked about and sort of introduced the idea of Windhorse about how we're born with a certain amount of it because of the karma that we've generated and then we get born into circumstances which kind of match the amount of wind horse that we have and into the sort of environment that enables us to maintain it in a positive way or lose it because of that kind of environment and then gradually what you know how we kind of develop that across lifetimes so I want to talk more about that. I want to talk about ways to increase and decrease wind horse and just sort of talk about the whole thing a bit more. So I want to introduce some other Tibetan words because the Tibetans have got a lovely vocabulary, as lots of cultures have, about all of this kind of stuff. And these are really ancient words. These are pre-Buddhist. These go right back to the shamanic traditions of of pre-Buddhist Tibet, uh, which, uh, well, Buddhism kind of came into Tibet in the 8th century, so these go further back, so long, long way back. And like I said in the last podcast, they're related to the shamanism of Mongolia and other places because there was a kind of sort of common culture all around those places, a great kind of large area of the world that had kind of common cosmology. So, let's look at some of these other words. Wind horse, lung tar. Lung tar is the energy of, uh, of, of mm, like chi, like ki. Uh, it's, it's that subtle energy. It's the energy that is freely available in the world too. Talk more about that in a little while. And another Tibetan word is sok. Sok is the life force energy. In a way, that's what we get born with more than kind of wind horse. It's sort of, wind horse is a very general term. Sok is the sort of energy that we get born with and and is our own package of energy. Uh, Longtar is kind of a big envelope word that sort of encompasses all sorts of things, but sok is more defined as that kind of life force energy that we have. And sock affects the physical body, the physical energy, and that is called lu. That's how much physical health we have. If we have low sock, then we're going to have low lu, low physical health. And another aspect of this sort of subtle energy is wangthang. Wangthang is the sparkle, the charisma that we have. Somebody that you meet out there that is just full of the joys of life, bopping on the, on the joys of spring, spring in their step. They have charisma, they have sparkle, they have a high degree of wangthang. Now, The world isn't always easy to be in and the environment isn't always easy to be in, especially kind of uh, urban environments. 
and, uh, and some natural environments too. And so we can pick up kind of pollution. And, uh, and also our lives pick up pollution. Another way of putting it is defilement. You know, if we, if we uh, do lots of drugs, if we eat lots of bad food, if we put ourselves in uh, situations sexually and, and, and kind of energetically that are not wholesome, that are not healthy, we pick up pollution, we pick up uh, defilements which affect our energy. Now, the Tibetan word for this is grib. Grib. And in shamanism, in Tibetan shamanism, the shamans very much work with grib. And, and a lot of the shamanic work they do is about removing the grib from people, the pollution from people. And uh, as a, a sort of interesting side note, you know, the whole thing about power animals in the West you know, which is very much the Hana idea of, of spirit animals, which doesn't really actually occur that much in, uh, in, in traditional shamanism. It's very much a Western Hana-based core shamanic thing. Um, but in Tibet, the, the shamans do have spirit helpers that are animals very often. And um, these spirit helpers are seen as the uh, the assistants of the of the big spirits. Um, they're the servants of the big spirits, which tend to be more in human form. And um, very often, these 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 spirit animals are uh, responsible for the removal of grib, pollution, defilements, and. They're called Gribspayang. Gribspayang, which means pollution wolf. Now, they don't need to be wolves. There are lots and lots of different animals that get called Gribspayang. Gribspayang can be a wolf, it can be a tiger, it can be a bear, it can be a crow, it can be any animal that kind of eats the pollution. And these animals are... Uh, called upon by the shaman, and they're very much in the service of the big spirits, like I said, but they're called upon by the shaman to come in and gobble up all of the pollution, all of the grib that a person is carrying so that they're cleansed. One of the spirits that I work with has a, a plague of rats. They are grib spying. They come in and they will kind of go through uh, a person, they will go inside a person and eat the pollution. They will go into a house and they will eat the pollution. They do that work. That's what they like doing. So pollution wolf, I think it's a great concept to have. Pollution wolf, Gribspayang. Anyway, so a bit of a recap from last time. So you, you have a degree, a package of wind horse and uh, you get born depending upon that package into a situation in life that is kind of matched with that package. So if you have a lot of wind horse, you get born into an auspicious circumstance so that you can develop the wind horse that you've got in good ways and lead a more spiritual life and do all of the things that, you know, make you a kind of beneficial shaker and mover in the world. 
and if you don't have vast amounts of excess wind horse, then you're going to get born into a family and a kind of worldview where that lack of wind horse is the is the normal. And you're probably, because all children learn about the world and learn how to cope and be in the world and kind of get a world view, a world model from their environment, from their upbringing, you're going to be taught and kind of programmed, if you like, uh, to live a life that is kind of low wind horse generating and probably even or possibly even uh, a life that is um, is going to deplete your wind horse. You know, you're going to be kind of potentially taught that uh, um, certain situations in life, certain pastimes like doing drugs, um, being very, very promiscuous uh, with sex, um, living in a kind of uh, a, a grubby way and in, in grubby in all sorts of levels, all of those things will reduce your wind horse. And if that's the kind of normal environment that you're born into, then you're kind of going to be programmed from a very young age for that to be the way that you live your life and it's going to perpetuate itself. Not as absolutely essentially so. Some people will be born into those kind of environments and take one kind of look at it and think this is a load of nonsense and they will kind of live a different life almost in rebellion against that life that they were born into. And again, you can say that those sorts of people will have a higher degree of wind horse so that they have more awareness and they see through the illusion of the kind of life that was going to be imposed upon them and they do something about it and move out and do their own thing and find ways to generate their wind horse and to kind of maintain it in a better way rather than losing it. I think at this point it's probably also quite good to talk about something called the three poisons. Now this is a Buddhist teaching originally but it's been picked up by Mongolian shamans too, and they kind of have an awareness of it. Partially, I suspect, because of Buddhism making such a large inroad into Mongolia, but it's still a very good teaching. And uh, like I say, a lot of shamans will kind of still consider it and work with it. These three poisons are a good way of losing wind horse and attracting grip to yourself. And they are three attitudes of mind that will play out the less wind horse that you have. Kind of like if you don't have a lot of wind horse, you will become more affected by them. And the first of the poisons is greed, which is often represented by a cockerel, a rooster. And the second poison is ignorance which is represented by a pig. And the third poison is hatred, which is represented by a snake. And part of the development spiritually of any person or personal growth work or whatever you like is dealing with our ego, greed, ignorance and hatred. If you uh, ever see a form of Tibetan tanker called the Wheel of Life, which is a sort of circular image uh, held by a sort of monster at the top and the bottom. 
and in the centre you'll see that there's a rooster, a pig and a snake. This is the wheel of rebirth with all of the worlds that you can be born into after you die. And the monster is Yama, the god of death, holding the wheel of life. And it's the wheel of rebirth and it's powered by the three poisons. It's like if you haven't dealt with the three poisons, you're full of greed and ignorance and hatred. And therefore that affects your karma and your wind horse and affects the life that you get born into at the point of death. So the three poisons are actually quite an important teaching and part of our whole growth process is to find ways in whatever form we do, whether it be Buddhism or shamanism or Christianity or anything, to alleviate, to find antidotes to the three poisons. So okay, Grib reduces, erodes our lunta. Pollution erodes our energy, our wind horse. So let's look at some of the things that kind of create the pollution. So pollution is anything that stresses you. It can be physical pollution. It can be literally being in a dirty place, whether it's chemical or whether it's just grime, whatever. It's the places that we kind of generally try and avoid, but those places will create pollution for us. They will produce grib. Having a stressful life creates grib. Stress because of domestic relationships failing or because of illness or because of lack of money or any of the myriad reasons that we get stressed. Bad food, food that doesn't have much life force in it, lots of processed foods, lots of kind of what we would call junk food. They're going to produce grib because they're not going to feed you and they're going to introduce grib into your system because of the way that the food was made. Tiredness, which is part of the stress and everything else and a result of bad food and bad lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. You can see how all of these things are kind of very interconnected. So tiredness is going to produce grib because you're not going to have the ability to defend yourself against it. So you're going to pick it up easier. Same with bad housing too, of course. You know, I mean, anything that, that kind of introduces stress to the system is going to knock your resilience and make you more susceptible to picking up grib. Boredom, lack of stimulation, lack of kind of living a large life. You know, if you're just in a plod where you get up each day, you do a boring job, you come home, you spend an evening kind of flopped in your chair because you're tired, you go to bed, you get up the next day, you do the same thing again, blah, 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 ad infinite item. It's just going to reduce your energy. It's going to increase your stress. It's going to produce grip. As does drink, drugs, sex, rock and roll, um, anything that is kind of going to uh, put you into an environment where there are lots of other people with low lung tar and that kind of lifestyle is kind of normal. So it's like um, it becomes pastime. So, you know, going down the pub and getting hammered on a Friday night is 
not really going to produce a lot of wind horse for you and again it's going to introduce you to considerably large amounts of grip because not only will the the drink produce that in you but it's also going to be from an environment that has a lot of grip around a pub can often be a place where there is a lot of kind of residual grib floating around. And if your energy body is low, or defences are low rather, then you're going to pick it up from that too. That of course isn't to say that pubs are not a good place to go to. It's You've got to be selective about this and you've got to be kind of reasoned. It so depends on the pub. I mean, some pubs will be kind of grib-free zones and others will be dripping with grib off the wall and, you know, sort of sticky on the floor with it. It just depends. You have to kind of have that awareness. Um, some places are very much kind of like that. You know, I mean, going into a hospital, a hospital is full of grib. So even if you're visiting somebody uh, or going for a, a simple kind of routine outpatient's you know, appointment or whatever, it's always good to be aware that you're walking into a potentially toxic environment. And some pubs can be toxic environments. Some streets can be toxic environments. Anything that is a toxic environment, and it doesn't have to be extreme, like a war zone or something. I mean, that's a, that's a very toxic environment, but just normal everyday life is full of toxic environments. And if you have a low resistance because your wind horse is low, then you're going to pick up grip because that's just floating around and it's going to get all over your shoes. Those are all sorts of situations where grip comes to you because you kind of put your foot in it. However, you can attract grip to yourself by your actions, and this is considered to be a major way that grip comes to us. If we are a mean-spirited, violent, aggressive person that is out for ourselves and does everything else and everybody else down, we're going to attract grip to us in the same way. I mean... It, it's kind of a bit like saying we attract negative karma to us. It's kind of related. We attract bad karma, in inverted commas, negative karma, just as we attract the pollution, the defilement by our actions. And then that will reduce our wind horse. And so somebody who is living a life where they are aggressive, violent, mean-spirited, they are going to have a lot of pollution around them, a lot of grip, and their wind horse is going to be reduced accordingly. It's the good old three poisons again. And of course, it becomes a kind of spiral circle or a, a feedback loop. It's like somebody that has a low amount of wind horse and a large amount of grip is going to be a person that is not necessarily very nice to be around because they do lots of actions which create more grip for themselves. It becomes a downward spiral. Just as a spiritual practice where you're removing the grip and trying to lead a kind of more wholesome life is a sort of upward spiral. It's the same kind of principle. Now, of course, in general, the non-urban, the rural, the wild places, they tend to have a bit more wind horse. People in populated areas tends to have less. 
Not always. These are not hard, fast rules. And some places in the wilderness are are not so good to be around. You know, they, they will drain your energy. We're kind of getting into the zone of power places here. Some places will have a naturally high uh, sort of natural wind horse energy and some places will deplete you. This is part of the natural world and it's good to be aware of those. If you uh, if you think about sort of um, where prayer flags are placed in in sort of in the Himalayas now of course you may or may not know but Lungtar wind horse is actually the name of a prayer flag uh, so when you see those five coloured flags uh, you know with each of the colours of the directions and the elements those prayer flags those Lungtar are flying in places where there is generally a natural abundance of wind horse. So they tend to be high up in the mountains. They have good movement of air, literally. Um, they tend to be in places that are kind of high octane. And those are places that tend to have good wind horse. Of course, it's not very easy to live in those places. You're not really going to want to live on the top of a craggy mountain 13,000 feet up. But they're good places to kind of perceive the wind horse for want of a better way of putting it so you've got yourself born you've been born into the situation that is suitable for the karma that you have developed in previous lives karma is not about retribution it's not punishment it's just well the word itself means action and it's simply the way that things are and the way that they work out it's kind of action and reaction so you get yourself born and you're in that environment. Maybe it's a really good beneficial birth and you've got a good life. Maybe it's a difficult life. Maybe you've got a life that is full of stress and is a sort of nine to five plod. Having to get up very early in the morning to get yourself to work and then maybe getting home late and perhaps not living in a very good environment and, you know, etc, etc. But you've got a degree of wind horse. You've got a degree of wind horse, which is proven by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, that you're not kind of doing things at this moment that are going to deplete your wind horse and fill you full of grib. Of course, there's subtle grib put in in a subliminal way, so you're picking up grib from this podcast. But that's besides the point. I don't want to frighten you by saying things like that. Subliminal grip messages. So, you're born in the current life that you have. You've brought into this life the package of wind horse that you've accumulated in previous lives. You have the karma which is created around that wind horse, which means that you've been born into the perfect situation for the amount of wind horse that you've brought in, so that you are kind of in the perfect place for you to develop as a person, as a human being, and walk on a spiritual path, hopefully increasing your wind horse as you go. The Tibetan traditions are that this takes quite a few lifetimes, although it is possible to do it in one, to suddenly to become, well, in a Buddhist way, to become a Buddha, to become enlightened, uh, or to use the phrase that is used in Buddhism, you become liberated. That's liberated from the cycle of death and rebirth. Um, it's liberated from that kind of illusion that we have about the way the world is, which the Buddhists call samsara. 
I'm not going to go too much into Buddhism. This is a podcast about shamanism, and I want to keep it really focused on that area. But I'm just touching on it because I use the word to be liberated, so I thought I'd better explain it. I guess you could say that Windhorse creates a greater ability for awareness. The more Windhorse you have, the more awareness you have. And the more awareness you have, the more you can see the nature of reality in its true sense. So an increase in wind horse does liberate you from the illusions of the perception of the world that we have when we have a limited wind horse. And that is the key. Awareness. Awareness is so important in all of these things. When we do personal work on ourselves, when we heal our child, when we heal our inner child, when in terms of medicine wheel it's called doing south work because the emotions are in the, the south of the medicine wheel in the tradition that I use at least. So you do south work, you go and see a counsellor, you go and see a psychotherapist, you get wiser hopefully with life. Just the process of living where you kind of get a little bit more savvy about the way you tick as a person. You become more aware, you get a little bit more savvy, you grow course not everybody does or at least not everybody does very much and that will of course account for your future rebirth too if you kind of subscribe to this view of reincarnation but you do grow you become more aware you kind of heal the programming I think we used to years ago when I trained in psychotherapy we used to talk about tapes because it was back in the analog days and so you know you used to describe it as having tapes running in your head and these tapes would be the kind of the programming and it's the same kind of idea now but I tend to use sort of terms from computing when we get born we kind of get our operating system written and it's hard for us to uh, change our operating system. You know this if you've got a computer. You may be able to change some of the programs and things on the computer, but there's a deeper structure inside the computer which tells it that it's a computer. That's the operating system, and that is hard for you to change unless you really know what you're doing. And it's just like that with people. We have surface stuff that we can change, our programs and bits and pieces, but our worldview, our operating system, is the bit that is hardwired in at the birth of the computer, just like it's kind of hardwired in at the development stage of a child when they grow up in a certain culture, you know, give the old Jesuit thing of give me a child until they're, what is it, six or something, thereabouts, and they're mine for life. You know, it's, it's the same kind of idea. And, uh, and so awareness is not always easy, but the more we work at it, the more we struggle and develop and grow as people and aim to change our own operating system and cut away all of the bits of our kind of inculturedness that creates the need within us for uh, polluting ourselves and depleting our wind horse etc etc the uh, the more aware we grow and the more we are free to go for a good kind of way of living and create circumstances where our wind horse is increased and our grip is reduced so in a nutshell, 
That's the secret of life, awareness. Becoming more and more aware and kind of decreasing the baggage that we carry in all forms and increasing our perception and therefore increasing our wind horse. I don't know if you've listened to all of the podcasts that I've done, but if you have, or if you would like to at least go back and listen to the ones that I did on the medicine wheel teachings, which were in series one many years ago now, I talk about the four aspects of a human being, the emotional aspect, the mental aspect, the physical aspect, and the spiritual sexual creative aspect, which correspond to the four elements. And... I talk about the centre and how the centre is the place of the soul and is the place of the sort of place of balance. Now, if we're running around on the edge of our lives, having great emotional ups and emotional downs and having wonderful kind of insights and being terribly in the head and then maybe rushing over to the west of the medicine wheel into the physical and kind of doing lots of bodybuilding or whatever and ignoring our spirits or alternatively going over to the spiritual side and becoming absolutely enlightened man, then we're running around on the edge of our life and it's bloody hard work. It's hard work because... I think I probably used the description back then and certainly it's what I do when I'm teaching with people in the room. I pick up a drum and I balance the drum, uh, at least I try to, on the drumstick in the centre. And if you put a weight on the edge of the drum, the drum tips all over the place because it's out of balance, because that's part of us running around on the edge of our lives. But if you put a lot of weight down on the centre of the drum, it can stay there because that's where the strength is, because that's where the drumstick is and you're compressing it at that point and it's balanced still. And the trick, the awareness, the practice, the development of all of these things is to get us into the centre of our life. If we're running around on the edge of our life, we're using and expending an incredible amount of wind horse. It's hard work. It's hard work to be energetically keeping ourselves in balance all the time but when we're in the middle of ourselves when we are centered literally centered then all of the energy that we have been spending keeping or attempting to keep ourselves in balance can be put into other things and we're not depleting it all the time and that's kind of another visual metaphor i hope you can kind of get a picture of what i'm saying there it's like that's a visual metaphor of the way that when we generate wind horse and lose our kind of grip and get ourselves in balance, then we have more available energy for ourselves. Now I'm being a bit of a wind horse tease. I'm being a bit of a wind horse tease because I said I would talk about ways that you can develop your wind horse. And I will, I promise, next time. This has taken a bit longer to do than I thought it would. So that's the way the cookie crumbles, folks. So next time I will talk about some actual practical things to develop wind horse and also some ways to remove grib. So a little bit of domestic stuff. If you have enjoyed the podcast and you would like to support it, you can make a PayPal donation to donation at sacredhoop.org. 
Sacred Hoop magazine can be got. A special offer subscription to it is sacredhoop.org forward slash offer dot html. You can get a sample issue if you want to look at us. sacredhoop.org forward slash sample dot html. All of those codes are in lowercase. Codes? That's not the right word. Addresses. All of those addresses are in lowercase. I do a, a, a website of, of ritual objects, which is uh, 3worlds.co.uk. That's the number three. And there's all sorts of goodies on there. And it's a bit like a museum. You can go and look at them and learn about the objects. It's also got a good page full of articles that you can download in PDF format. So there's lots of information. If you want to see me rambling on, you can uh, go and watch the YouTube films on the YouTube channel, Three Worlds Shamanism. Um, my email is nick at sacredhoop.org. And I think that's probably about it. So I will see you on the next one. And we will do some bits and bobs about getting our lives sorted out. Ah, well, what's the point? We're all sorted anyway. Come on. I mean, you and me, we're just so cool. Toodle pip, old chap. See you next time. Bye.